Welcome into another edition of Cattails Podcast, the Weber State Athletics Podcast with Athletic Director Jerry Bovey. I am Paul Grua, and Jerry, today excited for another podcast with uh, a legendary player and coach that we're going to talk with. we got a superstar here superstar. today. Superstar. Quinton Ganther, assistant coach at Weber State, coaches the running backs, and believe it or not, Quinton, fifth, entering your fifth year as head coach, as assistant coach at Weber State. Hard to believe, probably. It is hard to believe. It's hard to believe that I'm a coach. <laughs> okay. We're gonna <laughs> not get hard into, for me. We're going to get into all that stuff. So, Quinton Ganther, just a quick update. Again, he's, uh, he's in his fifth season entering this season uh, as an assistant coach with the Wildcat coaching staff. has been here the entire time under Coach Jay Hill. He is a former NFL player, played six years in the NFL, was drafted in the 2006 NFL draft, played a couple years at Utah, which uh, I'm sure fans remember him from there. And and so we're going to get into all that stuff, and let's talk about it. You ready, Coach? I'm ready to go. Okay. Where should we start? I guess we'll start with growing up in Oakland, California, right? That's where you're from. Well, I, I'm you're from born Richmond, in Oakland, but Richmond, California, live in Richmond. But I was born in Oakland, yeah. Yeah. And you have a recruiting tie there. I know we have a lot of players that are that are from that area that you've you've had that tie to. But what was life like for you growing up there? Uh, life was a little different. It's not your average story as a as a kid. I grew up fast. Um, grew up both parents on drugs, father in and out of prison. Um, you know, grew up poor. You know, grew up things like that. No running water. You know, mice, really? roaches. You know things of that nature and I found a way to overcome it I found a way to overcome it because everyone thought that I would not overcome it because my situation at home was so bad but I believed in myself I knew what I wanted I knew I didn't want to be like my parents so what I did was I just worked hard to change my life did you have role models early on that that kind of came into your life well, it was, it, well my godparents kind of kind of adopted about the age of 11 12 I was adopted well not officially they took, they adopted, took but they kind of took me on and kind of showed me away. You know, they were the first uh, couple that I saw that were married. You know, marriage was not something that we saw growing up. Mm. You know, it was just single parents, you know, and they kind of they kind of showed me a different way. You know, one thing that I respect about my godfather was this was the first man I ever seen get up and go to work every day. You know, wow. that wasn't normal. It just wasn't normal. The normal around us was you get up and go sell drugs every day. <laughs> that's what that was the normal for us you know and I just had a young man at my house uh, not too long ago and he just said man you're an inspiration but my thing is my godfather showed me how to get up and go to work so that was my thing I don't ever mind working I, I will work because that's what I saw from him and I saw the fruits of his labor even though he had 11 kids he still took me in wow wow well, it was eight. I'm sorry, I, I say 11 brothers and sisters because I have other siblings, but he had eight of his own, and he still took me. He took you in. Yeah. So what was it early on that you felt like, I, look, I don't want this for myself? I mean, was there something inward that just the way you were built? or? Well, yeah. Well, when, you, when, you're, when you're a child and then you're teased in a neighborhood because people know that your, your, your parents are on drugs and then your father isn't around because he's in prison, then when he did, does get out of prison, he's on drugs. And then uh, you got guys that, you know, your parents owe money to and they see you walking around the neighborhood and, you know, then they try to kick in your door. They want to take it out on you. Yeah, it just just was like, it didn't necessarily take it out on me, but they made fun of me, you know. So when when people made fun of me like that, that, that drove me. Because it was, it was not, I was a kid. I, I couldn't change my circumstances. I was, I couldn't pick who my parents were. 
you know, that I was born into it. So yeah. my whole thing was I just wanted to prove everybody wrong, and I hated that feeling. I hated the feeling of not having anything. I mean, my parents used to, to steal to, uh, to support their habit. So when they used to steal to support their habit, I used to have to go to the store to steal with them. Not necessarily steal it to sell, but I was the lookout, or they'll steal something, I'll have to take it back to get the money for it. And that was how I bought my first pair of Jordans. I had to go to all these stores around the Bay Area and help watch out for them steal. And then after that, we went to like seven stores and they bought me a pair of Jordans. But they'll go steal, they'll get me some clothes or a new pair of shoes. I wake up in the morning, it's gone. Because they had to, you know, they, they sold it to support their addiction. Wow. While so the stuff you had in your life was very, te- you lived in a very temporary world. Oh, most definitely. One day at a time. Most definitely. definitely. I mean, I've lived everywhere. I've been to three junior high schools, four high schools. I've been all around. Nothing was ever permanent. It was always here yeah. today, going tomorrow. Did you have a relationship with your parents after you were adopted at all? Yeah, yeah. I so so my, my godparents took me in. My mom was always still in my life, and, and it was a, it's a crazy story because my godfather and my mom went to high school together. Wow. They went to high school together, mm-hmm. and this is this is what I mean by you know I, you know drugs make you feel like they don't care about you. You know it's an addiction. So I was at my godparents' house for weeks before my mother even knew where I was. So when she finally met my godfather, it was like they've been knowing each other their whole life for the most part. But I wouldn't ever let my child go anywhere without knowing where they're going, who they're with. And my mom let me go there for weeks. Like, yeah, I've seen how that shaped you as a parent. Your, your kids are around. <laughs> they are around. You know where they are. I love my kids. And that's huge. Yeah. And, and it was another thing. Like As a child, my mother never told me she loved me. So I never had that. She never hugged me. She never said she loved me. So one thing I do as a parent, I make sure I tell my kids I love them every day because it, it does affect you. Yeah. Whether you believe it or not, you know, as you get older, it affects you. Well, and it people listening here have never met the Ganther kids. <laughs> <laughs> they are hilarious. They're fun. They're, man, they'll keep you company yes, for an will. afternoon yeah. for sure. They're kids. <laughs> and that's the one thing I always want my kids to just be kids. I wasn't able to be a kid. So I want my kids to be kids, you know, and that's the thing that I preach to them. Just be a kid. Don't yeah. go up too fast. Enjoy it. So at what point did sports become a big part of your life? Oh, I was always I was always into sports. So I started playing sports for the first time at the age of seven. Damn. So at the age of seven, uh, it was a guy who lived next door to us in one of our places, and he was a baseball coach. So he, uh, so what he did was he convinced my mom to let me play on his baseball team. So he also changed my birth certificate, which I had no idea of. So he put that I was born August 15th, 1984, and then for July 15th, because August was the cut, was the deadline. August 1st was the deadline, yes. gotcha. Did yes. you so, up thinking your birthday was August? No, 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 I knew <laughs> my birthday was, <laughs> you knew what he was I, didn't doing. Know, I didn't know my birth certificate had changed. Gotcha. So, but the same guy who allowed me to play sports for the first time was the same guy that used to touch me when I was a kid. So it was either, I go to my coach's house, which I'll get fed, I'll get a good meal, or I go home and watch my mother smoke crack. Wow. So it was. What about brothers and sisters? So I, uh, well, real siblings, other than, yeah, you had. My the, real siblings, I have two brothers and a sister. Okay. So they grew I, up with you? I grew up closer to my god sisters and brothers than I did my actual siblings. Okay. You know, so like now my brothers, my real brothers, 
like they're on drugs. They're yeah. 26, 27 years old. Wow. You know, they're... Boy, what an amazing story. And so sports was something, did you think it early on that maybe you had some talent in doing well, this? Or? Well, I was a baseball player. That was my thing. So everyone thought I was going to play professional baseball. Really? Um, so my first year playing football, I was 11. My godparents put me in football. My mother didn't even know I was playing football. You know, my godparents kind of put me into the sport. And I fell in love with being able to take my aggression out on someone and not get in trouble. Because I was so used to getting in trouble, I got into a lot of fights growing up, and this was the first time where I can I can hit someone and I'm not get in trouble. Oh, so I fell in love with football, but I was uh, I still played baseball and I played basketball. And when I got to college, when I went to college, I just focused more on football. I cut baseball mm. out, and I and I think about it every day, like man, those are the guys making money. And I was real, so I had my. Um, I held the high school batting average record in high school. Uh, I was really good. What position really good. did you play? I played, once I got to high school, I was right field because I had a cannon of an arm. I mean, I was throwing 90 in high school. Wow. As a 15, 16 year old kid. Wow. You know, so I played outfield for the most part. And I could and run. hit for average. And I could run. And I hit for average, I get on base, I'm stealing everything. Yeah. So I was a pretty good baseball That's player. That's great. So the one thing I was going to, before we move on to college experience, but I've noticed being around you that the, and people hear about the Oakland tie. I mean, mm-hmm. Damien talks about it, but, but it's a real thing when you're yeah. from that area. So you still keep in touch. You can, I mean, we were together in Sacramento once and uh-huh. guys are asking if your boy was in the airport. Y'all yeah. let you tell that, but <laughs> there's a closeness there that you stay in touch, but talk a little bit about that. Well, when you, when you come from the Bay Area, especially like my generation, like, I was like the the, the the piece that kind of made it possible for others in my generation. Um, for example, like Marshawn Lynch, like, you know, I have the article on my on my wall in my office, you know, Marshawn was saying, man, as a kid, I wanted to be like Quinton. Like if you were from the Bay Area in that, in that age in group, that time. in that time, he was the guy everyone wanted to be like, you know, and for me, that makes me feel good because it's like, look, and when you we, we all play this, this this sport, but you respect another man's craft. Like I am a fan of his. You know, I'm one of his biggest fans. And for him to say that he wanted to be like me as a kid, like that's like the biggest honor for me. Yeah. And and guys from that area, you know, we we know it's such a place that place that people don't make it out of a lot. Because I, I mean, as growing up, I've played with some really really good athletes. But they either fall victim to the streets, they, they're, yeah. getting dead, they're dying, they're going to prison. They just, get caught up in the drugs, they, whatever. So, yeah. But it's across sports. Yeah. Damien, Gary Payton mm-hmm. from that. I mean, you can just take them off and, yeah. you, and you all have this little tie that's really it's, interesting. It's tie because we, we, we all stick together, really. You stick together because you know that coming from here, you're special. Yep. Like we, we are taught things that other kids aren't taught across the country. You know, we're taught how to survive and to do different things at, at a young age. You know, and one thing that I try to tell these kids, like, and you know, I, and I share with other coaches too, it's like, these kids, they're taught to manipulate and lie. and This is what they know. Survive. This is their normal. You know, so 
sometimes we have to catch ourselves and because we, we get in such a mode that we're trying to teach them and mold them into young men but it's like look it's not going to be easy because these kids have been taught 18 years to manipulate and lie and steal and we may have them a couple years yeah. <laughs> it's not easy it's just, just hard to survive, survive. Out yes. overnight. just to survive that's just what they survive. had to do that's what they had exactly. to do you know and well, it takes patience and it takes a lot of love a lot and, of patience and, and building a lot of trust love. because you, you see that once and some guys just say hey you're out yeah. so we got to move on yeah. and 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 it's frustrating as a coach because it does you know you stay up a lot of late nights worrying about these kids and you know worrying about if they're doing the right thing and my biggest thing is I hate going into the academic meeting with my with my guys. Yeah. It's like, look, I am a grown man. Why am I getting in trouble for something that you did? Exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. So it's kind of, you and know. I've, and I've done this. I know how to do yeah. it. Come yeah. on, I'm, man. I'm trying to yeah. teach you. I'm trying to teach you. There have been many times after practice when you'll say, if any of my guys do this, I'm going to get <laughs> Oh, yeah, because it, it gets frustrating because you love these kids. You know, you love them and you want the best for them because you, yeah. you've literally seen other side of it mm-hmm. and if they don't figure it out that other side is going to come and they're not going to know how to deal with it so if it wasn't for sports what would happen to you do you think uh, sports saved my life my godparents and sports saved my life I don't know what would have happened to me because I didn't have any dreams or goals mm-hmm. because I didn't see anyone around me with dreams or goals I didn't see anyone around me going to college so that wasn't normal so I used to tell myself, I used to tell everyone as a kid, uh, I had an uncle, he's still alive now, but he's still in the Bay Area. I told everybody when I was four or five years old, I wanted to be a gangster like my uncle, you know, because that was my role yep, model. That's what, that's saw. what I saw. Yeah. You know, kids, they pick up what they see, you know, so I saw he was a gangster. I saw he was a drug dealer. So that's, that was, that's what I wanted to be. My father wasn't really around because he was in prison all the time. So I wanted to That was a role model. That was my role model. That's what you knew. So one of the things I alluded to, so we don't leave people hanging, we were in the airport in Sacramento once, and a lot of our guys had heard Marshawn Lynch was in the airport. And they're like, yeah, we just, someone just saw him. And I'm walking with Quinton, and he's like, come on, man. And he picks up his phone and texts him, and then he goes, guys, he's not in the airport. How do you know, coach? Yeah, yeah, because I was just just on the phone with him, you know. So, so, uh. One time I had a video, I, I, I was with them, and I, I had to make a video and, you know, give some of the guys a shout-out. And, you know, sometimes I'd be in a meeting, and I uh, I would call these guys to kind of let them talk to the players. Like, I got a surprise for them in the next couple of weeks. I got someone flying in. I'm not saying it, who it is, or I'm not telling them who it is, but just to kind of give them, you know, a, a, a push, some inspiration, because we're on them so much. You know, but when somebody that they see on TV or they've looked up to as an athlete come and says it, then it holds a little different weight. Because we're on them every day, yeah. all day. So they should get tired of us. Yeah. We are talking with Quinton Ganther, the assistant coach for the Wildcats. So you made it out. As you said, sports did save you. You go to Citrus Junior College. Yes. So what was that like, the adjustment just going to college? Like you said, probably didn't know anything about that. Well, by the time my sophomore year came and I started getting uh, – I started – being really successful so I was like okay I do want to go to college I want to go to college but the thing is at the school I was at at the time no one ever told me that I needed certain grades or right. classes to go to college yeah. they said you need good grades so I got good grades but I had two PE classes every semester I had you know I was I was always eligible 
So I didn't understand that I needed certain grades or certain classes until the middle of my senior year. Oh. No one ever and then told me. it's too me. late at that point. And then it's too yeah. late. So at this high school, they just inducted me into the Hall of Fame a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations. So, thank you. So we'll have a ceremony. But I wasn't guided the right way. Uh, I share an email with my players um, like six months ago when my teachers from high school emailed me. She had been thinking about me, but she thought I was dead or in jail because she didn't know what was going to happen. So when she said, man, I seen that you had a Wikipedia, she said, I had no idea. She started apologizing for how she treated me. Wow. You know, so that was big for me because this lady was, she was mean to me for no reason. Mm. You know, and all I wanted her to do was treat me like everyone else. And um, I had a paper I had to write and she didn't want to accept my paper. Because she said it was too good. I didn't write it. So these are things that I'm dealing with as a kid, this adversity as a kid, despite my home life. So it just kept going and going. But it can and going. take you two ways. It can yeah. take you to, to feel sorry and the world's against me, or you can say this will not define me. And, and, and that's what I and did. And that's what you did. It was my motivation. Yeah. It, it motivated me. And, and I it still does today. Yeah. And I've no thought question. about this teacher over the years. Like, I'm not going to lie. I thought about this lady. I'm sure. And when I showed the players the email, they were like, what'd you say to her? What'd you say? And all I did was apologize for her if I offended her in any way to make her treat me like that. And just told her how I've thought about her over the years and I appreciate her. And, you know, it was it was on me. And it was like, what? what? <laughs> I said, what do I gain? What do I gain if I badmouth this young lady? I gain nothing. I've already got my satisfaction. She already called. She already emailed me and apologized because she had been thinking about me okay. and how she treated me. And that's a win. So that's that, a win. That, that, what a, you just melt those things down. Yeah. And life's too short to carry it on. And she's growing too. Mm-hmm. And she's growing. Yeah. And now she says every year she shows my paper to her class, and she takes time to get to know her students and other or other than to pass judgment on them. That's great. Mm-hmm. What so a neat story. Like that was a win for me. Well, you're in Junior College All-American Honors, and you set a single-season and career rushing records in all-purpose yards, too. So, obviously, probably got some notice from, from, from Division One schools, I'm assuming, and, and probably got how they recruited, and you end up at Utah. How did that happen? It was crazy because I had just got expelled. I just got expelled. <laughs> I got expelled out of high school, so that, there again, I was not going to a university, but I wasn't ready. So, it was a guy who came... Um, to the school, uh, he was at Citrus College, and and I was kind of brushing him off, like I'm not going to junior college. I'm big time, you know. Yeah. And um, I went, but I went to play DB. And when I went to play DB, um, the guy that recruited me, he was a DB coach. He said, "Look, I would love for you to play for me, but I need us to put some points on the board." So it was a running back there who was the starter from the year before. And first day of practice, and I touched the ball, and the guy was just like, who is this dude right here? So long story short, he ends up quitting. I made him quit because I took his position. <laughs> so, And then he came back, and he played DB. But Citrus was good for me. Man. It was the first time away from home, and it was a struggle for me because I was 17 years old, and I was gone from home. So I, I'm, you know, Northern California. I was all the way in Southern California. So yeah. I was I was struggling. I was struggling with 
not having a supporting cast around me, being on my own. Like I said, I was 17. So it was a time to where I got to a point where I was like, man, I, I want to go home. I was getting really homesick. And so I called my godmother and uh, I said, man, I'm, I'm coming home. I got to come home. She said, you don't have a home. You know, and that right there was the turning point of my whole life. It's like, look, I got to figure it out, man up, and get it done. And after my first year of college, I didn't want to go home anymore. I was, you know, once I started adjusting, and and, and the thing that I talk to these parents about when I go recruit their kids, I kind of share that story with them. It's like, look, there is no home. Once he leaves, he's, he's on his own. You know, because when parents keep that door open for them to come home when things get rough, then that's, that's what they're, they're going to do. That's just an yeah. outlet, you know, and it's not helping them any. So Citrus was good for me. It was some more adversity I had to go through. Um, I was one year, I could have, my last year, I could have rushed over 2,000 yards. And, you know, the coach, which I still talk to him to this day as well, you know, he was just like, no, nah, we don't need you, so we're not going to play you because this is an easy team. Okay, well, let me rush for 350. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, Come on. Just certain stuff, man. So who started life. looking at you out of Citrus? Who so out of Citrus, I had offers to everyone. I had University of Tennessee. I had Texas A&M. I had uh, Washington State, Temple. Uh, one of my early offers was Oregon. And I ended up at Utah. Yeah. Everyone yeah. Why, why was that? So Urban Meyer was recruiting me, and I kind of fell in love with Urban. Me, I don't know what Pac-12, Mountain West, I don't know what any of that means. I'm just a kid from the ghetto who wants to go to college. What did you know about Utah? The state? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Stockton and Malone. <laughs> That's the only thing I knew about Utah. And the reason I chose Utah, because I went on my trip to Washington State first. So Washington State, it, was, it wasn't for me because it was no city life. I was like, I don't know if I can stay here. So I went to Utah and... It was the first time I ever felt like I could let my guard down. Like I felt safe. Safe. I actually felt safe for the first time in my life. And it was mind blowing. I said, man, people are nice. They seem genuine. I'm not used to this. So it was a big shock for me. And I fell in love with Herb. And that's how I ended up at Utah. Because I didn't make a decision on what school to go to because of the school. I made a decision with my heart where I felt the most comfortable because if, if you tell these kids, these kids have these offers that I had back then, they're not coming to Utah. No. You know, they're not, they're not coming to Utah. I mean, and then I looked at the roster at Tennessee. Tennessee had a few backs, and I'm coming from the junior college. Like, okay, I'm not going to sit. I want to go play because by this time I have, a, I have a daughter. I had my first child in high school. So my da- I had my daughter, too. So it's like, look, I need to provide for my daughter right now because her mom is sitting at home taking care of her and I'm not contributing anything but a couple hundred bucks when I get my financial aid check. So I wanted to do the right thing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go somewhere where I can play right now and I want to be gone in two years. And that's how it ended up working out for me. And 2004, what a team. You know, (laughs) two two undefeated, Fiesta Bowl. Uh, just an amazing team, an amazing season under under Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, yes. What well, do you remember? The Citrus Bowl, uh, the Fiesta no, it was Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, Bowl, which we found out yeah. we have a tie to. He comes in <laughs> last year and goes, "Were you on the sideline at the Fiesta Side Bowl?" Story There's a there. different yeah, story yeah, exactly. there. We won't tell, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Utah's been good. Too. But what do you remember that about that season though? It had to be that unbelievable. Season, well, just coming to Utah was a shock because yeah. I had never worked so hard in my life. Like 
I was used to working hard, but it's to see other guys that are constantly working to better their craft. Like, guys weren't doing that. But what I remember about that season is after the first week of training camp, at the first week of training camp, some of the reporters that came to me they said, uh, what do you think about red shirting? You know, it was mentioned. I was like, well, it wasn't mentioned to me. You know, I didn't know anything about it. So I went directly to Urban, and thing I'll never forget it. Urban says, man, I knew you were going to be good, but I didn't think you were going to be this good. Because we had a seven-year senior returning, Marty Johnson. And he was planning on Marty being the guy, and then he had a freshman behind Marty. I refused to ever lose to a freshman. So when he seen how good I was, he was like, uh-oh, now we're in trouble. Our plan is it's changing. Yeah. Because I came in and I ended up becoming a starter. You know, you were ready to go. Yeah, I was ready to go. But yeah. they didn't think I would be. Because, you know, the, the knock on a lot of junior college guys is you get a guy from junior college, they come in, you're going to have to mold them yep. for a year because they have, they're not used to re-teach working. Skills, you have to re-teach. You have to academic, all of it. The whole, the whole. That's why it's thing. tougher now to go from a junior college situation to a Division One situation and, and, honestly, and make it work. And honestly, I try not to recruit junior colleges as much anymore. Yeah, there's well with APR and different things we have to deal yes. with. It's 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 rare that it works it works well. Like, yeah. like it did for you. Yes, and I came in ready to go, and they did. They had no idea my background, my story. I was ready to go. Yeah, I came yeah. in ready to compete, and and when I try to tell these guys like. I knew the guys that I was I was competing against, so they used to work out in the morning. So they used to have the early group, and I was like the second or third group. What I would do every day, I would go and watch them from the window. I would wow. go watch my college every day mm. because I always told myself I'm going to do more than they do. That's great. Interesting. Great Quinton Ganther, our guest on the Cattails Podcast, 2004. Urban Meyer again leaves after that undefeated season. Uh, and then Coach Whittingham takes over for your senior year, but you rush for 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns. And not many carries. Not many carries. <laughs> not many pretty carries. So, Jay Hill was an uh, assistant coach at that time, too, right? That's uh, well, yeah, I had met Jay in, yeah. Yeah, in college. Yeah. yeah. He was, yeah. He was, well, he was, he was a GA, I think. He was a GA, and then when Coach Under Urban, took over, yeah, right. he was right. full-time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, then, obviously, you've got to be starting getting some notice from NFL teams at this point, yes, right? It's your point. senior season. And at this point, I started getting some, getting a few looks. And um, it was crazy because I didn't I didn't think I would be drafted. I mean, I thought, but it was like the, the draft class of running backs that I came out in had to be one of the best ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it were, I mean, this was Reggie Bush, Maurice Jones-Drew, <laughs> Joseph would die. I mean, it was it was stacked. It was stacked. Yeah. yeah. And I ended up getting drafted and played longer than a lot of those guys. Yes, you did. Seventh round by the Tennessee Titans, and you played six years in the NFL, thirty six games, uh, and you played for the Titans, the Redskins, the Seahawks, and the Bills. Yes. Okay, that's six years in the NFL is unbelievable. It's always a success in the NFL if you play long enough to get their pension. Yes. 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 <laughs> and I do have that. It's got to feel good. It does because I would have still been playing if I didn't get it. Yep. <laughs> Okay, your NFL memories. What's what what stands out? Um, my NFL memories is uh first time like walking in the locker room and I'm actually on a team with guys that I've watched yeah. growing up. One of the biggest ones was Kerry Collins. My first NFL game I ever went to, uh, my buddy was playing for for the Raiders, so he gave me tickets. 
uh, right after our bowl game, we played San Francisco, and then they played the next day. He gave me tickets to the game. It was the Raiders playing the Giants, and Kerry Collins was the quarterback. Mm -hmm. So my first game ever watching live, I see Kerry Collins, and then I walk in the locker room, and he's – so that was like a big – Like you're welcome to the NFL moment. Yes, yeah. welcome to the NFL moment. And then I was drafted with Vince Young and Lindale White. These are guys that I've, you know, watched – all throughout my college career that just played a national championship together. And it's like, man, these are now my teammates. You know, that was a big shock. Um, it was a lot, it was a lot of, I have a lot of memories, NFL memories. I mean, the camaraderie with guys. I mean, we, I got a list of 10 guys that we still text every day. Uh, me, Chris Johnson, Vince Young, Keith Bullock, Nate Washington, uh, Kenny Britt, Vince Young's been through a lot in his life. Oh, he's been through a lot. He's in a good place. Here. Yeah, he's in a good place. Uh, he's he's actually doing pretty good. We talk every day in the group chat. That's sometimes right. I got to tell those guys, look, I have a job. You're the only coach. <laughs> You're the only, the only coach, coach in the bunch. Right? I'm the only coach. I'm the only coach. And they laugh uh, at you like we never saw that. Yeah. We, the, you're the guy we didn't think. Of. I mean, <laughs> Lavelle Hawkins. Lavelle Hawkins is in that chat too. So my third year with the Titans, uh, Ernest Biner was my running back coach. You know, everyone remembers yeah. Ernest Biner from the fumble, you know, yeah. but Ernest told me midway through the season, he said, Q, you want to be a coach? I said, I don't want to be no coach. I don't want to be no coach. He said, trust me. I said, well, why do you say that? You know, he's like, you're going to be a coach. I said, oh, whatever. And once I got the job here, I called him. I said, man, how did you know? He said, because you always had a way of simplifying things to make it easier yeah. to understand. You know, so he told me I was going to be a coach. Interesting. What was it like in the NFL after you get established a little bit, you start making some, some pretty good money? I mean, the, the change that you've gone from your life to growing up to that oh point. Oh, I mean, my it's goodness. It, it was crazy. And was now you crazy. have a little bit of money. It was crazy. And that can change so, people, as it does. Well, it didn't change me, but it changed the people around me. Yeah. So uh, it was a lot one, of cousins started one, showing up. One right year, I had, to, I had, to, I had a, my voicemail was, hey, how you doing? Uh, if you call them for money or a favor, don't even leave a message. But other than that, have a blessed day. Like I, I got down to my, going into my third year, um, I got down to five thousand dollars to my name, and because I'm always helping people, because my heart is, you know, I got a good heart, and I always want to help out. I want to try to save the world. And if I didn't make the team, I was in trouble. So I start, you know, kind of not being as giving and start going trying to save again. I got to prepare. Um, and still, to this day, man, like, my aunt, she hits me. My birthday was on the 15th, which was a Sunday, July 15th. And she texts me three days later, hey, hey, nephew, happy birthday. Can you send me some money? <laughs> like, you're three days late telling me happy birthday and you want me. I get calls. It was, it was just ridiculous. You learn a lot about people, don't you? Learn a lot about people. I mean... And it's like if you don't help them out, they feel like you did them wrong. You know, it's like, look, you guys weren't here with me. I mean, I used to get up working and busting my tail to change my life for my family. <clears throat> and they don't see that. They just, yeah, sometimes they just helping them out is helping them out in a way that they don't want to. They don't. Well, I mean, the easy way would just be to yeah, send them money. I mean, it it got to a point where I had to cut my own mother off. Yeah. Like my first three years in the league, she had three different cars. I was still on my same one. You know, I had to cut my mother off, my siblings, um, my real siblings, 
my siblings get upset with me because I'm doing good, even to this day. You know, me and my sister are not talking right now because she did wrong to me. Like, she did me wrong, and she's mad because I told her, you're not right. You know, that that's not right. That's So now she's not talking to me. Yeah, that's a hard thing. You know, it's 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 crazy. Money will, change, will, will show you who people really are. It will show you who people really are, man. So... I was able to make a little money. I was able to buy buy a house in California. Uh, bought a nice house here in Utah. So, who would have thought I would have been a homeowner of two homes and Pulling got me. a job and a dad and <laughs> all and all of it. Good so, for you. Six you know. years in the NFL. Uh, that, that's really neat. And, uh, most memorable game or most memorable experience in the NFL that comes to mind? Most memorable experience is my first game as a starter. I was uh, with the Washington Redskins and we were playing in Oakland. Mm-hmm. I had over 300 ticket requests. I'll bet. So I told, I told everyone, well, I'm not buying tickets for people. I'm only doing parents. If I, if I buy all these tickets, I'm playing for free. So what my mom and my dad did was they start, they went through the, uh, the Raiders, the Coliseum, and they started doing tickets. So each one of them had over 100 plus tickets apiece. So my first game as a starter, I got to play in front of all my family and friends and everyone seen me growing up over the, over the years. And I had like 100 yards That's great. in the game. So it was, it was That's good. Neat. That's neat. It was nice. And so, you, again, you played with the Redskins, Buffalo Bills, and, and the Seahawks as well. And then you stayed and worked a little bit as a, kind of a... So when I, when I retired, the first thing I did was went back to school. Okay. So I went back to Utah. So they said, oh, well, since you're going to be here, uh, how about being a student assistant coach? And that's how it all started. There you go. <laughs> so you're getting your blood. You're getting yeah, your blood, so then Jay, Coach Hill, was the running backs coach at that point. So then I was kind of his assistant. And he saw how I, I I worked and saw how guys responded to me, and then he um, he was you know and and one thing about Jay he was very humble because the guys responded to me. Most most coaches in that situation they they don't want you to coach their kids. They don't want you. And Coach Hill said, "Look, coach these guys. They they listen to you. You know, he's like you're not stepping on my toes." And that was big because no coach is going to say that. No coach is going to say that. And after that, um, I graduated, and um, which is not a small thing. You earned a college degree. Yes, I earned I mean, a college that's, degree. That's huge. Yes, that is being yeah. first first person in my family to do that. Yeah. So, I graduated, and uh, I was like, okay, I'm gonna get into coaching. So, I went to the NFL to do a minority internship. So, what happened was I didn't even ask for that. All I asked for, I called Coach Sherman Smith which was the Seahawks running back coach, I asked him, I said, okay, can you write me a letter of recommendation? That's all I asked him, right? I left him a message at that. We didn't even talk. So he calls me back the next day. He says, I just got done talking to Pete. Pete says, if you want to coach, come in here. You know, bring him in here. And that's how it happened. Like, I didn't even ask to be there. And Pete Carroll was like, no, I'll bring Q in here. Let him, you know, let him get his feet wet with us. That's great. And it was great. And then they ended up winning the Super Bowl. That's pretty good, too. Yeah, except <laughs> I didn't get a ring. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. But it was good, man. It, it all worked itself out, man. Things happened for a reason. And then Coach Hill gets the job at Weber State. And, and he context. calls me up. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been through even some fun times. I mean, 
so of all of our coaches here, I, of, I mean, you get to know them all, and you. Get to, but I've had really choice personal experiences yeah. with Q. Got to know him. I mean, this guy is quality. He's the guy you get in a foxhole with. He is uh, good people, and he's raising a good family. And he Q's the kind of guy for me that makes you want to work hard to to help him. Um, Appreciate that. So uh, I'm so glad you're still here because I, I thought <laughs> he's got a pedigree and experience and contacts. There's no and, way he's. And, and you know the, the the crazy thing about it is, I, people ask me all the time because everyone's trying to move up in the coaching world. That's never really been my my thing, and they always ask me, "You know, so many people. Why don't you Go try to?" And I have not ever made a phone call to try to get another job. Mm. I haven't ever done it. And I see coaches doing it all the time. It's like, look, that's not my life. I had a coach call me and ask me uh, if he gets this job, will I take his job, and it's going to pay him. He's like, it's pay you about one hundred and thirty. I said, nah. I'm not leaving here for 130000 <laughs> And they're like, what? You're an idiot. I'm, I'm just not pressed for money to, to live like that. situation is yeah, as important as anything. Exactly. Yeah. The situation has yeah. to be right. I it's mean, right we all want more money, but. You want to be the So right what spot. is it about this place for you that has has kept you hungry and happy? And Well, one thing, you, you, you have always been great with me. Jay has been awesome. Jay has been really awesome to me and my family. And Jay allows me to be myself. You know, when you hear different stories of these different colleges and these different coaches, and I don't want to have to dread coming to work in the morning. It's not worth it to me. You know, my family's in a good place. They're happy. You know, we're not struggling. You know, I don't want to go somewhere to where I'm making more money, but I hate going to work. Yeah. Especially with the number of hours that you guys put in. Exactly. It's just I never realize how insane it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not willing to stress for more money. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just not going to do. One it. One of the things we've noticed too is the family. Coach Hill is big on family. Big on family. And and so some coaches are grinders just to be grinders. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys is just watching. You're very effective. Yes. Mm-hmm. But when it's time to go and be home with your family, that's an important. And, and you don't get that everywhere. Yeah. I mean, my kids are in this building and running around like they're yeah. in the place. You're not going to get that at other places. I mean, because I've heard some coaches don't even allow families in the building. And you guys do Monday nights as families here, but then your kids are here. So your your, your, wife, all goes, gotten your wife travels with you, you know, and, like, and that's wonderful. Thing. How can I live like that? Yeah. My babies keep, when I'm having a bad day, my babies motivate me. So when I hear them running through, <laughs> exactly. the, through the office, I'm like, okay, I, this is what I'm doing it for. <laughs> let's, you let's know, go. as you look back on your, on your four now going on five years, we appreciate, I mean, obviously there were a few struggles the first year, you know, with, in the win column at least. You turn that from where what we saw last year in winning the Big Sky title and fifth place national ranking and, and all the incredible accolades. How did that happen? How did you transition from there? Uh, well, what we had to do was pretty much change the culture. Uh, the culture with the players that losing was okay. Like it was, they lose and no one was upset. No one was kicking and screaming. It's like, hold on, what, what is going on here? This is not life. This is not how this game is supposed to be played. You're supposed to compete at all times, give everything you have. And once we started changing the culture and getting our guys in, then, you know, the win column just kept going up and up and up. Um, so it was it was a tra- it was a big transition for me too because this is my first time being a full time coach. And I had to learn that players lie to you. 
they, you, know, you gotta watch them, you gotta check classes. I never forget my first time we had a kid here. He was a Florida kid, and I'm checking, I'm checking his homework, and you know, checking in on him academically, and he's telling me he's fine. And about midway through the semester, we we get grade report. This kid has not turned in one assignment all semester, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, but that falls on me. Right. You know, that falls on me as the coach that's in charge, but I, I had no clue what I was doing or he's what was going on. He's just selling you down. I mean, he's telling yeah. you everything, but yeah. Yeah, that's the first time you realize, man, they're not all <laughs> What they say is not always what, what it exactly. is. Exactly, what they say. And then when I got, you know, I, I was assistant twice in Seattle and with Jay. So our first practice here, my first year, I'm just standing in the back. You know, I'm just standing there. It's like, hold on, this is your group now. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta start coaching. You gotta start coaching. So it was, it was a big adjustment, man. It, it's been great, though. Well, you've had some great players over the years as well. Um, when you go out recruiting, and obviously you, you hit a lot in Northern California uh, because you're, you, you have connections there. Do the people? Do they know who you are? Do they know about your story? Do you know where they? Do you have that special connection there? Well, well most of them that know me, they know my story. They know who I am. And they know what kind of person I am. That's what gets. That's what allows me to be a good recruiter because they know what type of person I am. They know if their kid comes here to Weber State, they're going to be taken care of. They're going to be treated fairly. What I tell them to get them there, that's what it's going to be. A lot of schools, they tell you anything to get you there, and then once you're there, it's different. <laughs> it's a different story, you know. So, and they know my heart is in the right place. So a lot of times, I don't even say who I am. I don't say who I am, you know, because yeah. some kids, they they know, but not all of them. And if they don't know, I won't say who I am unless I really, really want the kid. <laughs> when I really, really want them, then I'll start making my calls. And, right. <laughs> you know. you know, when, you, when you wear the gear that you're wearing, the Weber State gear, how have you seen that change with the success that the program has had? When you walk into a high school facility or when you're on the trail what have you noticed now people start to take notice of yes. what we've done so people so people know who Weber State is now, especially in my area and with Damian Lillard as well yes, I'm sure they know a huge State. So if yeah. they don't know Weber State you say Damian's name oh. then they're like oh okay that's Weber State <laughs> yeah. so it's just now that we've we've gotten a lot of guys out of that area and our, our gears has went up tremendously. I mean, we, I have so much stuff. I haven't even worn some of the stuff from last year. Yeah, you know, all yeah. the gear that we receive sure, right now, sure. that's, that's, been a, that's been a plus. But it also helps with recruiting because, you know, these kids are, nowadays, they're all about fashion. Oh, yeah. They want fashion. They yeah. want to look good. So our you, uniforms, we've had another helmet we've added, you know, sure, over the yeah. years. And it's I, just changing. Yeah, and I tell kids, like, listen, if you're no good, don't wear all these wristbands and drawing attention to yourself. Because if you're drawing all this attention to yourself and you're no good, I'm going to talk about you. <laughs> so don't do it. <laughs> I'm going to talk about you. If you weren't coaching, what do you think you'd be doing? If I wasn't coaching, the crazy thing is I was uh, trying to go into juvenile probation. So um, that's kind of the field I wanted to go into, working in juvenile halls with kids. And it took me a year to kind of figure out how to do the tests and pass the exams. And you've done a little of that here. You've worked with, with some organizations in yes, town yes. to, to I do a lot. I do a lot of stuff. I, I just don't say anything about yeah, it. So I go I to know, different, I different places. I mean, I just went to a couple drug treatment centers for kids. Uh, I've, I've been visiting them a few times. You've been packed. You've done uh, yeah, 
I just different groups in town. I just don't. I just if if you're doing it out of for the right reasons, you don't have to go tell yeah. everybody about it. Well, but people so but. When you're doing it for the right reasons, other people notice. Yes. So I yes. always believed in that. When you're good, people will tell you you're good. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say I'm good. Yes. So I've had a few places right. ask me to come back, and I have. I've went to a couple places numerous times. Um, I, I love it. This is what I do. I mean, this is this is who I am. This is what I do. I want to do anything I can to help someone. Yeah. yeah Q's fun on game day. That His game day prep as a coach, <laughs> I, I envision that's a lot what it was like as a player. <laughs> He kind of works himself up just yeah. being on the sideline, the energy. Yeah. It's fun to watch how the coaches interact and how you know do people it. don't realize. They just think it's athletes that have to give up. No, no, everybody has to get going. Yeah. Staff does. Mm-hmm. We, we all have our game day. Because these kids feed off of our energy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They feed For off sure. of us. So and we got recruits there at every game. And so, you know, just there's a, there, it's, a, it's a process. Big process. Coach Q, thanks for your time today. Hey, this has been awesome. It's a pleasure. Jerry, I, I knew some of this story, but I didn't know all of it. And it's just amazing to see the, the change of your life from where you started to, yeah. to where you are. And, and as you said, I, you know, you're a good person. You. And that's what stands out the most to anybody that meets it, you. I appreciate it. I try, I try to be. I try to be. <laughs> you're always We're so fun to say hi in the hall and all that. Cat. So, yeah, we really are. This will be fun for our, our fans and I hope they enjoy those that this. follow the program yeah. to get to know you a little bit more. So thank what's you your What's your long-term plan, do you think? My long-term plan, you know, I, I'm not really sure. I always say I want to retire at 45 because 45 I can take my pension. Yeah. I can take my 401K and just live. My kids will be out the house. But I don't know if that's going to be the case <laughs> anymore. You know, and then I get an early retirement when I turn 35. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I'm gonna keep working. Still got a few years. Yeah, but my long term goal is to get to do what you want to do. Yeah, my long term goal is to help as many people as I can. Honestly, we're glad to have him. Quinton Ganther, running backs coach, assistant coach for the Weber State Wildcats. Thank you so much for joining us on the Cat Tales with Jerry Bovey. I'm Paul Grua, and thanks for joining us. And continue to follow us on social media and go Wildcats.